It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. All right, we are standing by for President Joe Biden to address the nation on Afghanistan. Uh, this has been a very interesting day in Washington, D.C., especially in the West Wing of the White House, to see what has been going on. We know that the president did meet earlier uh, by video with the G7 allies in that meeting. Uh, The president laid out kind of where things were, and he said that we are on pace uh, to be out of Afghanistan by the August 31st deadline. Uh, I think that's a really interesting statement. Later, Jen Psaki, press secretary in the White House briefing, uh, reiterated that they were on pace and that while the president has asked for some contingency plans, just in case they aren't able to do it, uh, that she believed that they would make the August 31st deadline. And then uh, she was questioned uh, by one reporter about what that really meant in order to be all the way out. Was that just ending the evacuation component, or is that the entire military being out? Uh, Jen Psaki responded that it would be all out, that uh, that is the agreement, that they would be all out. So if you start to think about that for a minute, in terms of reality, what's realistic, uh, what can be done, it's going to take several days just to get all of the U.S. military out uh, and all of the equipment and and so on. Uh, And so I think if if that timeline is to be believed, then the evacuation of Americans or Afghanis or our allies uh, would be um, they'd have to end that probably by Saturday or Sunday at the latest. They've got to have a couple of days to to get all of that put together uh, and out. And so that's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the president says. Uh, as he frames that out and uh, reiterates where we are and where we are going next. And, of course, uh, how we stay informed and how we engage in this process uh, matters. And we all have to stay engaged, even when it's hard. We've, we've got to work it through. And uh, so how do we do that for the next generation? While we're waiting for the president, uh, I want to tap in for just a second uh, while we can to uh, how do we train that next generation of Americans to become politically informed and positively engaged in the process, in the dialogue, in the policy. Uh, there was a special event that just wrapped up at the state capitol to help children learn more about government. Representative Jefferson Moss joins us now to, to talk about it. Re- Representative, we know the president may start at any moment, so I'm just giving you the, the, the fair warning there. Uh, but tell us about this great event of uh, helping kids understand what it means to be engaged up at the uh, state house today. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been really fun. We've got 25 five fifth graders that are here right now that we've actually given them, we gave them some training, talked about the different branches of government, talked 
you know, talked through how do we, how does a bill become a law? And then we've actually been uh, having them on the floor. And we had a number of bill ideas that we let them get up and, and uh, you know, make cases for and, and make motions and actually some really good debate. These, these fifth graders are really smart. Uh, they had some really creative ideas. And, 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 yeah, it's been really fun. The goal, of course, is to try to get them more engaged and understanding of the process. So they don't just talk about government. They actually know how to participate in government. Uh, and that's, I think that's important for all of us. I think you should have broadcast that live today uh, from the, the state house. I would have loved to have seen those fifth graders on the floor. Uh, and so what did they come away with? I know this is uh, an area that's close to you. You work both in education and as a lawmaker. Uh, what, what did you see today, and how does that give you hope? Well, yeah, like I said, these, 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 this young generation is, is very bright. They really have a desire to get involved. And in the, even in the discussion we had with them before we went out on the floor, the types of questions they asked me about how do you, how do you, how do you get involved, how do you make your voice heard, I can tell that there is a lot of desire from these younger people to to want to participate. And so anything we can do to help them understand the process better to help them get excited about this is really your government. You get to decide who gets to you know represent you. Um, it's just fun. It's fun to see their excitement. Um, and and I think the takeaway from a lot of these kids is, hey, I could do that. You know, yeah. I, I I enjoyed getting up and debating. Maybe one day I'll run for office. That's awesome. And uh, I think there's a lot of adults that could use that today as well. And uh, I, I think the the sooner we expose our kids to that kind of conversation and to show how you can have a disagreement uh, without getting angry or without uh, showing contempt for others, uh, I just think those are, are vital skills. Uh, whether someone chooses a, a path into the political space uh, or not, those are things we all should learn and we all should do a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. In fact, a couple votes on the floor were, were razor thin about whether we should have ice cream as a second holiday in July. And, and the debate was pretty vigorous. And uh, at the end, the uh, argument that said don't do it was the one that won. And it was it was cute to see the kids that kind of deal with it, you know, not having their vote win. OK, I, I got to dig into this. This is breaking news here on KSL that uh, that a group of fifth graders on the floor of the uh, House of Representatives here in the state of Utah were debating whether or not we should have an ice cream holiday in July. I, I want to know, as someone who is a big fan of ice cream, so I'm a constituent of ice cream, uh, what was the vote against having an extra ice cream day in July? Because it was for fifth graders, and some of the students got up and said, well, I don't feel that we're being inclusive enough. If this is only a holiday for fifth graders, that's not fair to the other kids. And then the other kids got up that were against it and said, I just worry it's going to, you know, affect the fourth and and we don't want to diminish, you know, the importance of the 4th of July by having another holiday so close. Oh, fascinating. I love that. People, this is how this is how a civil debate uh, can be had, even over ice cream. And uh, I I will have you, Representative, uh, I will have you take back to those kids that uh, I am going to cast my vote uh, for those that voted for an extra ice cream holiday. Because in my world, you can't have too many ice cream holidays, as long as you're fiscally responsible, I guess. (laughs) 
I like it. I will do that. Uh, Representative Jefferson Moss, we appreciate you jumping on with us today. I know you've had a busy day with these fifth graders. Uh, I'm telling you, this is this is some of the most important conversations we have are when we have moments and opportunities to work with our young people to show them that the process works, that government, they are part of it, whether they're in office or as a citizen, uh, everybody's involved. Uh, I love how these students were focused on being inclusive and creating opportunity uh, and then just having a good debate about it. And uh, I just think that's a, a vital thing for all of us to think through uh, and get to uh, here. And uh, we appreciate Representative Jefferson Moss, a great leader, again, someone who both has a passion for this from as an educator and as um, a member and representative for us here in the state of Utah. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We are still standing by for the president. Um, at this point, the sundial count is six hours and 43 minutes late, uh, but we will continue to stand by, and we do hope to hear from the president and what is uh, his view of where we are in Afghanistan and what comes next, coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.